Hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi here, and you're listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast, brought to you by StarWarsDaily.com. The Force will be with you, always. Welcome, Star Wars fans, to the 54th episode of Frontline's The Clone Wars podcast for the episode Sphere of Influence. I am your co-host, Matt, and joining me all the way from the Great White North, it's Michael Cohen. What's up, Mike? How's it going up there? Hey, hey, it's, uh, well, it's not very white, so I don't know how to call it (laughs) the Great White North, but uh, it's actually pretty green here, but um, yeah, so... uh, so here we are and talk about uh, sphere of influence. Sphere of influence, yeah. And another uh, continuing on the political side of the war again. So um, yeah, kind of a theme that we've got going in you know <laughs> it this is. week's episode. Yeah, I've got a few things to say about that. But okay. Well, before we do that, uh, I guess we got to hit a couple things in news. So and collecting. So let's do that. Get ready. This is it. Help you again. Yeah. Uh, right. I thought you might say that. What are you talking about? Well, everybody thanked me at once. That doesn't sound too hard. So what I told you is true. From a certain point of view, everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. <laughs> All right, Mike. So this is not really... Breaking news, but it's something that we had to discuss. Everybody's heard about it already. Star Wars is coming to 3D. Yes. And uh, it broke what, I think it was late last week, but uh, Lucasfilm has decided to reprocess the series, uh, starting with The Phantom Menace in 2012. And then kind of an odd thing here. We got one coming every year. Uh, thereafter, so you know it's not yeah. going to finish until what 2018 with Return of the Jedi. So, you know, we kind of heard about this many times before. I think in 2005 it was first revealed by by uh, Lucas that they were looking to do this, but it's finally here. Uh, 2012 Phantom Menace. Uh, what's your thoughts on the 3D? <sighs> I think they're releasing them too slowly. I think that it needs to be like a special edition. If well, that's what I was thinking, to, yeah. yeah. If they want to hold interest and keep momentum. Um, and I think that as we get closer to it, that will probably end up being the timeline. Um, I, I think that they'll realize that, like, 
I don't think that this 3D wave is going to ride out that long. That's a long time. To 2018. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just can't imagine. I mean, it's like, can you imagine if they had done the special editions like that? We would right, have gotten right. one a year rather than one every, were they three or six months? They were six months, right? No, the, the re-releases of the original. Yeah, when they did the special edition. That was uh, actually January, February, March. Was it? I'm wow. almost positive. Yeah, they did one okay. one a month. Well, there you go then. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I would say every six months. Do it every six months uh, to a year and, and get it done in three years rather than six. But... Yeah, I know. That is very puzzling. And my first thought was, you know, these things were not done like Avatar where it was shot with these special 3D cameras and yeah. and stuff like that. So how is this going to look? I mean, uh, it's not gonna, hopefully it's not going to turn out like we've seen some of the bad 3D that's come out this year with Clash of the Titans and a couple of movies that were kind of rushed and put on that 3D bandwagon just because it was yeah. a cool thing to do. Um, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> but, you know, it's, it's Lucasfilm, it's ILM. Let's see what they can do. I'm looking forward to it, but... The, the six-year wait thing is really puzzling, and, and you know, they seem yeah. to think that that's how they're going to do it, but, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe by this time, you know, we'll find out exactly where 3D is at, and, and maybe they'll do it, at, like you said, every six months or something like that. It is a long time to wait, and um, John Noel, who is the effects supervisor of the prequel trilogy uh, at ILM as well, is uh, kind of overseeing the project. And uh, he's saying the 2012 mark for the, uh, the Phantom Menace is approximate, but no timeline. So there you go, Mike. No timeline has been set for the 3D release of the other five movies. So I guess that that's their thing is, hey, let's do one a year. But, you know, like, like you said, maybe that will change. I just um, don't see them being able to sustain that for very long. You know what right. I mean? Like, yeah. Like why? I don't know why. Why would I? Well, obviously, we'll care. It's Star Wars, right? So we'll just keep, you know, going no matter what. Yeah. But honestly, like, I don't know. It's just like, will 3D be a big deal? Will 3D even be the same? So, like, will they be working towards 3D technology that doesn't exist anymore? And I'm sure that they've thought these things through. Yeah. But just sort of for discussion's sake, it's kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't understand uh, why why you would leave it that long. So hopefully they don't. Hopefully, like you're saying, like they're they haven't set the the timeline and they don't really have a specific set of updates right. to do this yet. Um, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think even 2012, who knows what it's going to be like by then, right? Right. Um, yeah. Things could the the ball game could be totally different by that point. Um, right. And I think one of the other things he was looking at was I read an article that he was just looking at uh, there's not a lot of 3D theaters or 3D equipped theaters out right now. Yeah. And yeah. by 2012, hopefully it'll there'll be enough out there to, to, to put this out. But, you know, it's like this is not they're not bringing these out like brand new. And and we everybody's seen these movies a million times. And of course, we're going to go see them in 3D. But like you're saying, the, the sustaining part for a whole year because um, the casual fan or the fan that's that's not really a fan of Star Wars, um, they're I don't know if they're even going to go see this or not. 
and there's already people that are that are you know bitter like well if this is not the original trilogy then i don't care i'm not gonna go so you got those people on the fence and um yeah we'll see i don't know that, that could change but uh but it is cool to see that they are coming to 3d um and i guess uh titanic is right behind them as well so <laughs> everybody's jumping on the 3d uh <laughs> Titanic in 3D. Um, <laughs> I'll go there. I just I I'm I'm kind of inclined to agree with a lot of people. Like why why the Phantom Menace is the first one. I understand because obviously that is the first one. Yeah, right? go, it's going in order. Episode yeah. one, you're going to go in order. But at the same time, it's just like, oh, are you really going to be able to? again sustain it right like are you going to be able to keep people interested i guess they really don't care as long as it pays for itself that's right, right that's all that really matters and it's not a matter of it being i don't know a big profit for them no as no. long as that's what i don't think they it just is, yeah. get it out there and they sustain star wars for yet another you know two or three generations yeah. So, um, and, and I mean, you know what, there is, there's a whole group of kids coming up that have not seen the movies, uh, in some instances. I mean, that was being mentioned a lot at Celebration 5 and that haven't, especially haven't seen them in the theaters. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is, it is kind of, uh, kind of interesting to see like they're, they're finally going to get their opportunity to see these movies in the theaters. Right. Um, and they're going to get to see them in 3D. So. And that was the big draw of the uh, special editions when they came out. It was like, that was the big yeah. tagline, you know, hey, a whole new generation gets to experience uh, Star Wars um, in the big, you know, in the big screen. And and that's kind of what they're going for here, it looks like, too. is It's, it's going to be, what, roughly 12 years since The Phantom Menace came out. Um, and you're going to get it in 3D. So... Um, but yeah, I don't know, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna be for the, the hardcore Star Wars fans. And like you said, I think maybe he's just putting that out there like, Hey fans, you know, here's kind of like a little present for you, Star Wars in 3d just for you guys. And if it, even if it just break, break, breaks even, uh, or makes just a little bit of money, maybe that's hopefully all they're going for. And, uh, yeah. but you know, you know, Lucas, he's one to, he's always <laughs> likes to push the envelope with the effects and, and, uh, I think, uh, it should turn out nice because we know what he can do and, and what his standards are as far as the technical aspect is. So kind of looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of George Lucas, uh, Mike, there's been an update on the Star Wars live action series. And uh, IGN Entertainment got a, has a clip on YouTube. And uh, I, we can just play that real quick and comment on it. So let's take a look at uh, or take a listen to George Lucas on IGN Entertainment. The live action series, uh, you said it might be maybe on the back burner for a bit. Uh, do you think uh, that might move forward at some point? Uh, well, right now we don't know. We have uh, uh, movie of the week and 50 hours written, all done, ready to go. It's just that we can't figure out a way of doing it for less than $50 million an episode. And obviously we can't afford to do that. So I'm not going to compromise on the quality of it. So we just have to keep working on the technology to see if we can you know, improve ways of getting the story told without it costing a fortune. I think eventually we will see it, though? Yeah. No, I think it'll advance just like everything else advances. You know, it's, uh, uh, the price for everything is going down. We're uh, you know, shooting it with 
much more sophisticated cameras and we're working on uh, you know ways uh, more inexpensive ways of doing uh, all the special effects and that sort of thing so that was again Lucas on IGN uh, entertainment so this is interesting Mike we've got a couple things that uh, kind of jumped out at me here first of all He's got, uh, they have a movie of the week and about 50 hours written so far. Yeah. Um, so like, the, like we've heard before, you know, that scripts are, uh, are being done or we thought actually, I thought there was actually more done, but a movie of the week, which I'm guessing is around two hours and then 50 more hours of. Yeah. Which stuff. is about two seasons on, yeah, yeah. on network television. Now it, they can go network television or they could go the route of HBO or Showtime. Yeah. Something like that, in which case you get more like 13 episodes right, right. per season, in which case that's that's more like four seasons. So, um, yeah, it, I mean, this isn't really that big of a, of a breaking story because it's kind of the same sort of thing we said at, at, a, at Star Wars Celebration. Uh-huh. But, I mean, I don't know. I, I would really like to see the show, but I don't, I don't want to see it until it's it's worthwhile you know what i mean like yeah, I, yeah. I don't want them to rush it to uh into production and for it not to be at the level that we want it to be at you know what i mean like yeah and that's and that's what he said and he he also said he's you know he's not going to compromise on the quality just to yeah. you know he's not going to say well let's let's cut this and let's cut that to make it cheaper um no, they're just going to wait for the technology to, and the prices to come around instead of com, you know, bringing the quality down. Which is which. Another thing that shocked me was fifty million dollars per episode. Woo! Holy mackerel! No wonder they can't do this thing right now. I think he's just throwing numbers out there. 50, I, that's crazy money right there. Can you believe I, that? No, I can't believe that. I can't believe oh, spending geez. fifty million dollars. On a on an hour long episode of a television show, that if that's the case, that means that they have not done their job properly as television writers, and they've written something they're for written film. Some, they're written. They're writing some crazy stuff. That's what I'm. Thinking. Yeah. Because yeah. um, if you're gonna write, I, I've said this before. If you're gonna write Star Wars as a TV show, you need to you need to have a home base. Like you need to to have a couple of sets that you always go back to. Mm-hmm. And and one of those sets would be like, let's take the actual the original trilogy as an example. If you were going to turn the original trilogy into a TV show, mm-hmm. you would have a few sets that you would have to have, and they and they would be your home sets, and you would always have them, and uh, and you'd go back to them constantly. First one being the the inside of the Millennium Falcon, all that stuff. You would have to expand that and make it a little bit bigger. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to see the other aspects of the ship, like the quarters and that sort of stuff that we saw in the movies. You'd have to have the Star Destroyer, specifically like the the Executor, right? You'd have to have Vader's Star Destroyer mm-hmm. that you always go back to and his meditation chamber and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then you would have to have uh, you'd have to have like a Rebel base of some sort. I mean, they, if you were on if you were in a TV show, I don't think they that they would have abandoned the avenue so quickly or maybe that's the sort of thing like every season the rebels have a new base Mm -hmm. and that could be like one of the things that you do but you would you would really have to limit those sets they'd have to be uh fairly small i mean 
just look at the way that they did the original movies and you can see sort of the way that it would have to have to be done for a television show where there's not a lot of special effects you're not constantly looking out into space but i mean if a tv show like stargate universe can do it then i don't see why right star Star wars can't you know yeah um yeah and and to me that just means that like if if he's saying 50 million dollars an episode then either he's lying (laughs) and he's just sort of throwing a number out there to say like it's not feasible and he's just using hyperbole and exaggerating and that sort of thing or uh or or they just did a really bad job of writing a television show and I don't mean to say that, like, the, the show wouldn't be entertaining and Star Wars and awesome. So, of course, we'd all love it. I'm saying, like, they did not do their jobs. They didn't. It's as if, as if uh, you know, Dave Filoni and them were writing The Clone Wars. And rather than write half an hour episodes, every single episode was written as, as a two-hour two movie. Hour but movie. then they had to cut a whole bu- bunch out of it. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be doing their jobs. Their job is to write a 22-minute TV show with a self-contained story every 22 minutes. It's great when we can get an arc, but more importantly, that 22 minutes needs to be self-contained. That needs to have a beginning, middle, and end. And they do a fantastic job at Clone Wars doing that job. You know, like the, they they stay very focused on, you know, maybe we're going to have a three-episode arc and we're going to tell a wider story, but each episode in that arc has its own specific beginning, middle, and its own narrative and its own story and its own themes and everything. So mm-hmm. um, really, honestly, I think that what they need to work on, on Clone Wars more than anything is arching those themes from, from one episode to the next right. and having an, a three episode arc feel like it's a complete arc rather than feel like it's three episodes that all happen to be going on near the same time you know mm-hmm. um, yeah. and that's where they could approve that but but yeah so as for as far as the the live action show if they can't do it properly then they just might as well not do it at all and i think that's the attitude that they have right now they're not going to be able to pull off what they want to pull off i'm just glad they're not like you said rushing it and and like you said they're not going to compromise right now and we'll just yeah and there's no hurry like you said and but one thing, uh, one little conspiracy thing that I'll throw out there is that I heard him say, and it could have been just a a misspeak by him, is um, he actually said, we're shooting it with much more sophisticated cameras. So if you see that clip online, at the very end, you'll hear him say that. And um, it kind of made it sound like, well, they're actually already shooting it. But uh, maybe he just says that, uh, maybe he meant that that's what they want to do is shoot it with, more sophisticated cameras and uh yeah i think that's all that was you just kind of misspoke on that one but uh yeah. so just a little bit of live action news and i, I hadn't heard that yet so I, I thought that was kind of interesting just just the number just the number itself was just crazy so um but we'll see what happens in the next few years uh as far as collecting news um star wars specials at toys R Us this week you know toys R Us is back in the news again and uh they have the uh the new Rise of the Boba Fett Ultimate Battle Pack is now $89, uh, $10 to $20 savings depending on your store's pricing. Uh, you know, Canada and, and the U.S. is obviously yeah. a little different. But uh, also that week, they also have the uh, radio-controlled hail file droid is marked down to $49. And uh, with any $30 purchase, you get a uh, exclusive Nikto Clone Wars, uh, the Nikto Guard. 
So uh, anybody looking for the Rise of the Boba Fett might want to check Toys R Us because you can get it at a pretty good price. And, and I'm also could, with that, that with that free Nikto guard, you could make your own. Uh, you could custom your own uh, master master die. Die, yeah. Figure. You just <laughs> pop his head off. Customizers out there, here it comes. Put it on. Put it on to an Obi Wan Kenobi figure, and you're good to go. Yeah, because yeah, that's right. Huh? That would actually work pretty good. <laughs> hey, there it is. Uh, so yeah, head on over to Toys R Us, man. They got some stuff, good stuff going on over there. Uh, what else we got going on, Mike? Uh, Adidas Originals. Uh, they've got a, a whole new wave of Star Wars stuff. Uh, a lot of these are actually in store already. Um, the ones that we're going to talk about right now. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a, they've got a whole new winter collection for 2010. Uh, and, uh, big big ones in this in this set are uh, Boba Fett, yes. Boba Fett shoes, uh, Jabba the Hutt sneakers. They're kind of high tops. And uh, there's some uh, Han Solo in Carbonite sneakers. <laughs> and there's a yeah. really, really ugly pair of R2-D2-C-3PO shoes. Yeah, they're two that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like half is R2 and half is 3PO on each shoe. And it's kind of like, yeah, the R2 shoes will be cool by themselves. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. The 3PO shoes might be okay for some people who want to rock the gold shoes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I like it's kind of disappointing for me that I couldn't get you know an R two D two set of sneakers because because yeah, yeah. I probably actually want those because those look, that, yeah they look bad and I thought the same thing I go that's kind of weird why wouldn't they just make the R twos look fine but the the Boba Fets are very uh, uh, very very cool they're yeah. very Boba Fett and then oh, there's yeah, also yeah. there's like a Boba Fett jacket that just came out um, and then later on closer to to winter winter uh there's a there's a pair of chewbacca they're almost like hiking shoes they're kind of they're like these suede they're hiking shoes that you would never wear on a hike yeah but they're kind of like these high top <laughs> boot style sneaker um and they're all like they're lined on the inside with fur and and uh they've just got this great chewbacca motif to them so i'm going to be picking up a pair of those for sure nice. and uh, and there's a matching parka to go with it uh-huh, right. So, uh, I think I'm, those might be in my future. Uh, and they got some very uh, green Java the Hut like yes. high tops. <laughs> yeah, they're actually they're green and they're like they're leather, but the leather is very textured, like it's very sort of ripply. So it's like a kind skin of, or uh, something. Yeah, it's yeah. got it's got a very Java the Hut feel to them. Uh, they're they're actually pretty cool. If if you're looking for a nice pair of bright green sneakers, they're uh, <laughs> yeah, they're pretty nice actually. Now I know you already have a pair of the first uh, wave. Have, it was I the Skywalker. Two pairs. Okay, what what pair I have, did you I have the Skywalkers and I have the the Star Wars Super Skate. The Star Wars Super Skates are my like everyday shoes. I wear them. In, uh, you know, they're just my casual oh, okay. sneakers. So they're kind of trash now. Like they have this uh, this illustration on the back of the um, of the adidas logo like the adidas flower logo but uh vader and luke are sort of it's that return of the jedi poster image of the two of them mm-hmm. that yeah. um which small tidbit is actually even though it was used for return of the jedi promotional material it's actually an image taken from the empire strikes back but uh that's sort of on the back of them, and and that image is like just totally trashed and faded, 
and all that sort of thing. But uh, but that's because I wear them every day. Yeah, the, yeah. the Skywalkers are still in like pristine condition because I don't wear them. Yeah. Now, for anybody who's actually looking at some of these, whether it's this wave or the the first wave that came out, um, what I mean is the quality good? I mean, are they comfortable? Yeah, they're Adidas shoes, and okay. they're they're designer ones, so uh, they're a little more expensive than normal. The normal pair of Adidas sneakers, I think, up here they run about fifty nine to seventy nine, and uh, and I paid I paid one. 40 139 for the uh for the skywalkers, skywalkers yeah and 130 129 for the uh for the super skates um one thing is that right now all of the older stuff if, if they still have them are actually marked down um so like oh, okay. the, the ones that i mentioned the super skates mm-hmm. are uh let me see they they've gone down from 119 american to 59.99 so they're half price, um, and I think that might be limited time. So, mm-hmm. were you the person who did not get the chance to pick them up because of the ridiculously high price? Uh, this might be your opportunity. There's also there's a wicked Boba Fett backpack. There's so much in this new fall line, line. and yeah. it's all it's all available online. Like you can pick up all of this stuff online right now. All the stuff that we've been talking about, but uh, in store. There's uh, there's not quite as much. Um, yeah. There's there's so much on the website. Though, yeah. To, right, to right. check. Um, and like I said, all that stuff from the spring collection is it looks like it's all half price. Wow. Yeah, it's there all it's all knocked down half price. Bonus. So that's about it this week for unless you got anything else, Mike, in news and uh, collecting. Anything else? Uh, you know what? I I can talk about the fact that I have a uh, I just got a copy of the Jedi Path. Oh yeah, yeah. Mention that. that. Yeah. Man, this book is crazy awesome. It's it's in my opinion of all these books that they've been doing recently, like the Encyclopedia and the the Complete Vader and all that sort of thing, that have all of these. I uh, sort of. I don't know what you want to call it, but they've got like this. It's I think you, I think they call it augmented reality or like um, sort of where where you're getting all of these extra pieces of of content inside your book that like in the encyclopedia there's like script pages that look like actual script pages and they look like the actual notes that George Lucas hand wrote. Obviously they're not, but uh, there's there's all that sort of stuff in it. Um, this the the Jedi path has that sort of stuff, but the stuff comes like sort of directly from the Star Wars universe. So right. um, you open up the book, and on the inside cover, it's kind of like a yearbook, and it's got a list of the the original owners. And uh, and <laughs> this specific book that you get your hands on was once in the possession of Yoda, who then passed it to his Padawan Tame Cerulean, who passed it to his Padawan. Uh, Count Dooku, who passed it to his Padawan, Qui-Gon Jinn, Jinn, Obi-Wan, and then Anakin, and then Ahsoka. And then there's a gap uh, after the the purge, and uh, and Sidious takes possession of the book for a while, and then after the fall of the Empire, uh, Luke ends up with it in his possession. So, it's kind of gone down this, this 
weird path and then ended up in the hands of Luke. And, uh, mm -hmm. and there's a little, there's a little note on the inside, not note, but like this extra page that's been inserted on the inside cover by, uh, by Luke Skywalker explaining like the history of the book and when the historians think these individuals all had it. And then as you go through, um, each section is written by different Jedi masters with names. Uh, it was written a, a thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. Um, and, uh, and, and these are all masters that were created specifically for this book. Mm -hmm. And it goes through like everything about being a Jedi, everything from like history to constructing a lightsaber to, uh, you know, becoming a, a Jedi ace starfighter pilot and, you know, the dark side and, and all of these awesome, awesome things. And then, uh, there's annotations in the book by, the different people who've held it. So, um, uh, okay. So as you're reading through, you'll be reading a part, and there'll be part underlined. And then when you look over, there's a little note from Qui Gon Jinn that says something or other about you know the living force. And, and oh, nice. And yeah. then on occasion, you'll also get like uh, sort of along the timeline. Like if Qui Gon wrote something in it, then maybe afterwards Obi Wan got a hold of the book and he wrote a comment based on Igon's comment. Okay. And right. and they'll kinda go down and they and they really kinda capture the characters. All of the characters except for Ahsoka. Ahsoka's comments all seem like they're season one Ahsoka, where they're all very uh snarky remarks and that sort of thing and, and they kinda take me out of it a little bit. Mm. But everybody else's comments are really great. Yeah. Uh, so Ahsoka's just tend to be like Oh, that's really lame you know. <laughs> that's not that's yeah. not what Sky Guy says and stuff like that. Uh -huh. So it feels like she had the book or she wrote the, mo the majority of these notes. And I'm reading it. I'm reading it from front to back. So maybe as it goes through, her character will progress because she does it yeah. during the the course of the Clone Wars. Mm, okay. So maybe as I get closer to the end, her comments will get a little bit more mature and a little bit more a little bit darker and that sort of thing. And it might be a little bit of an indication of what ends up happening to her. Uh, yeah. The fact that Sidious ended up in, with possession of the book is kind of yeah, almost a spoiler in itself. I mean, that really, really makes you wonder, like, whether whether Anakin recovers it afterwards and then, uh, and then Sidious gets it from Anakin or whether Sidious takes it directly from Ahsoka. Either way, it sort of it, it draws a connection. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That you're kind of like, huh? So I wonder what happens to Ahsoka. Like, she's if if, in my opinion, if she had survived, she may have been the last to have possession of the book. Now, she may have also left it in the temple, so maybe that's where mm -hmm. it ended up in Sidious's possession. But, uh, but yeah, very cool. interesting. And then as you read through it, you'll get to pages, and there will be things stuck in the pages. Um, one of the first things that you notice is you get through the, the introductory chapter, and when you get to the end of the chapter, it's supposed to be a section on the prophecy of the chosen one, and the pages have been ripped out. <laughs> and there's a little, like, really? almost like a post-it yeah. note from Luke Skywalker that says, yeah, these pages were, were missing when I when took possession it. of the book. Most likely, the Emperor tried to suppress yeah. the prophecy, and, and you're kind of like, ooh, like... <laughs> there might, awesome. might have been some information in there yeah. and you and there's still enough on the pages that you can kind of sort of read 
one side of the margin oh, and yeah. maybe get an idea of some of the stuff. It doesn't really give you anything other than what we already know with prophecy, but yeah. But there it is. That's and, funny. And, uh, and then there's stuff like there's a there's a Republic credit in there, like an actual coin, Republic credit coin. Um, Qui Gon Jinn put his braid, like his Padawan braid, in the section, like as a bookmark in the section on uh, on on be, being knighted mm-hmm. as a Jedi knight. So like his actual Jedi braid is in there, and and uh, the best one of all of them is a napkin from Dex's diner. <laughs> oh, with Obi Wan Kenobi's Obi-Wan. plans for his new lightsaber. Oh wow, that's cool. That he obvi- that he they that he was planning on building, and then once he lost his lightsaber in Episode Two, right? He he builds this. Uh, he builds his new lightsaber, which is the one that you see in Episode Three. three. Yeah. So uh, nice. That's that's got to be my favorite one, mostly because of the Obi Wan connection, and just yeah. because it's so, it's so real. Like it's just got this real, like it's an actual napkin. It does, it's not just a piece of paper folded up to look like a napkin. It's an actual napkin with what looks like hand drawn pen on it. And I mean, obviously it was printed on there, but it looks like Obi Wan Kenobi drew this on here with a pen himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some notes about how he was trying to go for a more classical look and, and sort of get back to the basics of lightsaber construction rather than all of the flashy stuff that some of the other Jedi are doing. And it's like, it just, it's stuff that adds to their characters and it adds to the universe. And it really feels um, about as authentically taken out of the universe as a mass market product is going to. Yeah. So. Now, did you get the, uh, the uh, like the vault? Or the vault edition or just the book? It's just the book. Um, okay. I got it through uh, through uh, publicity channels. Okay. So it's just, just the book. Okay. It's just the book itself, just like the leatherbound book itself. Um, yeah. But yeah, I didn't get the actual container that it comes in, with, yeah. which apparently, like, you push a button and like the the doors on it open up and then right, the book right, comes yeah, and yeah, that sort of thing. But. Right. Well, that's cool. Well, this uh, book is written by Daniel Wallace, and uh, actually, you can find it on Amazon, and uh, it's around sixty dollars US uh, right now on Amazon. So, uh, hundred bucks Canadian. Yeah. I do not understand why books are so differently. Priced. That's a big difference too. That's a yeah. huge difference. Yeah, and they got this in stock right now, and and the good thing too is uh, it's got all five star reviews. There's been uh, looks like nine or ten reviews, and they're all you know give it five stars so uh yeah definitely a cool book and uh you heard it there right from mike good stuff in it so yeah definitely yeah. worth it. definitely worth it. yeah well with that i think it's time to hit our recap what do you think yeah let's do it the force and become a jedi like my father here's where the fun begins i thought you might say that if i see evil become a great jedi kenobi skywalker i've missed you uh right i'm ahsoka tana destroy them both you're both right let's make this a bit more interesting for 800 years have i trained jedi incoming blast them no Then it's time for a little bit of severe of influence. 
In the Galactic Senate on Coruscant, Senator Ryuchuchi of Pantora debates with Senator Lot Dodd on the issue of a trade federation blockade around Pantora. Dodd denies Chuchi's accusations that the Trade Federation is aligned with the Separatists. <coughs> he claims that the blockade is only there to ensure that Pantora stays at, uh, pays its debt to the Federation. Chuchi pleads for the Senate to intervene and allow Pantora to resume trade. Outside the Senate chamber, Padme Amidala approaches Senator Chuchi to congratulate her on her speech and assures her that many Republic senators are sympathetic to Pantora. The Separatists have also offered to help Pantora, but Padme begs Chuchi not to accept their aid. Chuchi assures her that Pantora will never join the Separatists. Uh, you know, Mike, when we start here, we got uh, yeah. newly, the newly elected chairman of Pantora, uh, which is Baron Papanoida, and we'll get to him yeah. in a second. Uh, but he's replacing Chi Cho, and if you didn't remember... He was the one who died on Orto Plutonia in your favorite episode, that Trespass. There and are some uh, connections here. there is a little bit of connections there. So we figure out, and here we go with the, and this thing can get really confusing as far as what's going on with the Trade Federation and the CIS. And, you know, we got Dooku involved, the, the Senate's involved, and we'll get to some of that in a minute. But uh, one other thing that kind of jumped out at me uh, in this paragraph that you just read is um rio chuchi is talking to uh padme and just like the colors of that whole scene were like just jumped out of the screen at me mm-hmm. um it's just like wow i mean all the colors they put in this thing i was just uh, kind of blown away by that i thought that was be- look just just looked beautiful but uh once again the senate is unsympathetic to the plight of the pantorans and it seems like we get that a lot from the Senate. You know, they're, they can't be bothered with some of this uh, stuff that's going on in, in some of these worlds, you yeah. know. And uh, so, like I said, though, it's a lot of stuff going on here. We'll get to that. A lot of different, uh, you know, ideas going on. So uh, we'll kind of address that in a few seconds here. Uh, in her Senate office, Chuchi meets with Baron Papanoida, the new chairman of Pantora, he introduces her to his children, Chi Ikwe and Chi uh, Monoe and Ion. Chi and Che return to their apartment while the chairman and his son stay to talk with the senator. Count Dooku has offered an immediate solution to the blockade. Papanoida has no intentions of working with the separatists, but many Pantorans are willing to accept their aid, and the chairman laments that the Senate is taking too long to respond to the situation. So here we go, Mike. Um, first of all, this is written by, I think it was Katie Lucas. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Or, let me, let me her and, her and uh, Sir. I know it was her and somebody else wrote this episode, but, you know, here's, here's Baron Papanoida, which is right out of uh, episode three. Yep. Just looks just like George Lucas. And he's got his whole family there. It's kind of, it's kind of crazy, you know, and his daughters look like they did in a, I think uh, one of them appeared in episode two and one in episode three. Uh, they appeared as, as different characters. Different characters, yeah. Um, uh, his one daughter appeared in in uh, episode three as the as the same character that she is in this one. But, yeah, right. But his other daughter appeared. 
in episode one and episode two as two different characters. And then uh, I don't think she was in episode three, or if she was, she was a different character from from one of these um, characters. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And then his son, uh, Jet, also uh, appears. He appears in episode uh, two and episode three as the same character, though, as... as um, what was his name? Like... Uh... Jets, oh man, it's a play on his own name. It's like Zet Jukasa or something. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. So I and and I didn't know that he appeared in episode two as that character, but apparently he does. So okay. um, I I, maybe maybe we might get to see Zet Jukasa somewhere in the. Uh, yeah, you never in, know. Clone Wars. Yeah, in in the Clone Wars, somewhere in the Jedi Temple, somewhere along the ways, because he would have been in the temple at the time. Yeah. Um, because I believe he is still a Jedi initiate. Now, here, oh, here's something that I learned from the Jedi path. We we refer to any youngling as mm-hmm. a youngling, and and then there's Padawans, and then there's Knights, and then there's Masters. <clears throat> the truth is that youngling is is more of like a, a slang term just for for younger members of the order. Okay. Um, but in fact, like before you become a Padawan, you're a Jedi initiate. That's the technical. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Um, and then from initiate, if you never get chosen as a Padawan, you become. Uh, you get sent to the 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 reject place where you you know they all become farmers or whatever. Mm-hmm. They become like force force talented farmers. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's from like there's a series of novels I think that take place before episode one that. Obi-Wan, unfortunately, ends up uh, okay. almost uh, almost no. on that path. And uh, and then just at the last second, Qui-Gon picks him. But, uh, yeah, so just a little bit of extra knowledge. A little I'm extra. From the Jedi path. There it is right there. And, you know, Baron Papanoida, you know, played by Corey Burton, fit him perfectly. I mean, that dude is just money on everything he does. Uh, and then also... Uh, Ion Papanoida was played by, and you could obviously tell it was Seth Green. I mean, they didn't even, he didn't yes, really do much doing of Doing an, an absolutely terrible, terrible, terrible accent. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what he, was he even trying to do an accent? I don't know. Oh, I mean, uh, I could, it I was mean, obvious it was him. I didn't it, know if he was, yeah. he was kind of going in and out, wasn't he? Uh, sorry? It seemed like he was going in and out of an accent almost, you know? Yeah, it was a really inconsistent accent, and I don't know that he was really going in and out of it so much as he just didn't know what the heck he was doing. Um, it yeah. was not a good accent. <laughs> oh, and, yeah. and uh, you know what? If Ion doesn't show up again, I won't, be, I won't be heartbroken. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you know what's it, – it's kind of – it's really tough to figure out because you got – Here's Pantora that's has a blockade on it again by the Tread Federation. Yeah. They've stopped their supplies. Okay, um, the Pantorans like they don't care. They just want they just want their supplies. So they're like, hey, if it takes going to da- Count Dooku and joining up with the Separatists, the CIS, you know, they're like, fine, whatever we got to do. Papanoida is a little bit. No, let's let's hold on, you know. And this is when Ahsoka comes in. And they're able to actually make a choice. No, we don't have to go with Dooku and align with the uh, 
because they don't want to they don't want to align with the uh, trade federation or the separatists. So they're gonna oh here comes Ahsoka and she's gonna come in here in a, a second and and provide an alternative. But uh, I'll continue here. Chi Ikwe and Chi Awana Amanawe arrive at their apartment. The lights are out, and she is frightened by a shadowy figure moving in the dark. A Gotol thug sneaks up from behind and captures her. Che is attacked by a Rodian, and she hits him in the head with a small statue. The Gotol stuns her with his blaster, and the two kidnappers haul their captives away. And we get, and we get our first instance of a stun blaster, if I'm correct, right, Mike? Uh, I think this is the first time no. we've seen that. No, there was a stun blaster, I think, last season. Was it? Um, okay. Yeah, I think it was a clone trooper blaster that, okay. that was sent to stun. Okay. Uh, or maybe it was a battle trooper blaster that was sent. I can't Oh, I, yeah, maybe I it was. I seem to recall a, yeah. a, a blaster being sent to stun last season. So. Okay. So you, are you all <laughs> on board of what's going on right now? Uh, are do, I, do I understand what's going on <laughs> in the episode? Are you confused at all? <laughs> uh, you know what? These names are a little bit confusing. The Chi, Che, Chuchi, Amonwe, yeah. Ikwe. Yeah. You know, what way? I don't know which way. Any <laughs> um, which way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like, it, you know what? These political episodes are getting a little tiring. And it seems like we're getting another one. I think we're getting another one, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I know that Ahsoka does some pretty cool stuff later on in this episode. Yeah, we'll get to that, yeah, yeah. But it's not good enough to keep people entertained. It's like... I hear you, yeah. I'm okay with one of these episodes every six. I'm not okay with three in a row. And, And even just like... Uh, Kyle's recap on this one is um, I don't know if it's as brief as I would like it to be <laughs> you know what I mean Like, it's kind of like there's all this stuff happening but really is any of it that important no they get ca- captured and uh, and some, some dudes captured her for the, or the, the, the girls for some reason yeah. and then you know, we find out they've been taken to two separate places yet again for some reason like we don't really get an explanation why. Yeah, I think it's just so that we could go to Tatooine, and uh, so that we can have two stories going at once. Hey, we're gonna have two stories though. I, I we're gonna save that for later. I got that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> to continue. Uh, right, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. On a Coruscant landing platform, Padme Amidala shares her concerns with Anakin Skywalker that the blockade of Pantora troubles her, and reminds her of the similar events that took place on her home planet of Naboo. Anakin's Padawan, Ahsoka, approaches them and informs them that Chairman Papanoida's daughters have been kidnapped. Anakin would rather let the local police handle the situation, but Ahsoka asks if she can go on her own to assist Senator Chuchi, who is a friend of hers. Anakin agrees to let Ahsoka go alone and keep the Jedi Council off her back. I'm kind of in the same position that Anakin is. I'm kind of like, you know yeah, what? Yeah. This is not my problem. There's <laughs> a not, war yeah. happening. It's it's Star Wars the Clone Wars, not Star Wars the Senate disputes that have <laughs> yeah. some stuff happen. It's kind of like I mean, and they 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 make a point of of uh, reminding you the story in Episode One and going like, this is kind of the same story, you guys. They're blockading it just yeah. like before, and no one believes that the Trade Federation is bad. 
and apparently they're allowed to do this for some reason. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Um, guys, you remember how episode one is kind of the one that nobody likes? And, and you know, like, I've made a case for the, the prequels recently, and, and I'll continue to do so, and I'll say that the prequels are good movies. That being said, I don't want to watch episode one right now. <laughs> I barely want to see it when it comes in. It, when it comes out in 3D, I'm not that I'm not entirely interested. The pod race is going to be pretty cool, but other than that, like, I'm not that interested in trade disputes on foreign planets. Like, what I am interested in is like these guys are blockading the planet. I tell you what, let's get in some Jedi starfighters and take some V19 turrets, the Mark 170s, yeah. and let's blow up their freaking blockade. That's what I'm interested in. Let's get the if lightsabers episode, out. Yeah. If Anakin was like was like, screw the Senate, screw proper <clears throat> diplomacy, this is a war, I'm going to deal with this myself. And he got in his Jedi Starfighter and he single-handedly took out more Trade Federation blockades. I'd be like, yeah, that's what this is about. That's what the Clone Wars are. <laughs> I'm not yeah. really that interested in this. So I'm kind of with him where I'm like, when, at the point where Ahsoka's like, but we really need to help them with this. And he's like, really? Do we? I think you can go help. I'm going to go do something else. And clearly he's like going to deal with some actual storyline somewhere else. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I don't know when your main character uh, is kind of like, yeah, I don't want to have anything to do with this storyline. You guys go do this. And I'm going to be over here uh, <laughs> keeping the Jedi council off your back. Yeah. Um, I it's, I, that should be the indicator that like, maybe this is a story that doesn't need to be told. Maybe this could be one of those throwaway lines like, I hear Baron Papanoida's children were kidnapped. It has something to do with a trade dispute similar to what happened on Naboo. Padme is dealing with it. <laughs> and, then, and, and then like <laughs> and then you, you you know, you flash to Obi Wan having this conversation with with uh, Anakin via hologram. <clears throat> and then Obi Wan goes and he does something awesome. You know? <laughs> he, yeah. he, he hops on a giant lizard and he fights some battle droids or something. You know, like something interesting is happening somewhere else in the galaxy and we know that. So why are we focused on this storyline? You know? And I mean, like, I'm all for diplomatic missions and stuff like that. As everybody knows, Trespass is one of my favorite, or is my favorite episode. Right. And there's a really heavy diplomatic component to that. But it's an interesting diplomatic component. It's not the storyline from episode one that we've already gotten, you know. And I mean, that's kind of what it reminded me of. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) there's an element to this where Papanoida decides to take, you know, the law into his own hands, and he goes uh, Charles Bronson style. Yeah, on these guys, but uh, but it's just it's not enough for me. Well, it's funny too. Is uh, you know, here's here's Padme. You know, she kind of wants to help out. And, and like you said, Anakin's like, nah, it's okay. Go ahead and just whatever you got to do. And, and here's Padme who goes, and I can't believe they let you train people. Let you train your <laughs> Jedi. You yeah. Know? And it's like, hey, but like you said, Ahsoka, you take care of it. But uh, yeah. anyway, and uh, Senator Honest, Chuch- Honestly, I did not know how passionately I felt about this episode until just right now. <laughs> like, I'm We're getting right now live, folks. Episode. Yeah, like... <laughs> I'm realizing these things as I'm saying. Here we go. We'll make a bit. It'll it'll get good. It'll get better. It'll get better. In Senator Chuchi's office, 
Ion informs his father that Count Dooku has offered to aid the chairman in, his, in finding his daughters. Ahsoka arrives to lend Chuchi a hand, and Papanoida is glad to accept the help of a Jedi. The group suspects separatist involvement in the kidnapping, and Ahsoka, okay. Ahsoka suggests they search the Trade Federation battleship, blocking Pantora. Chairman Papanoida dispatches Ahsoka and Chuchi to Pantora, while he and Ion stay on Coruscant to aid the police investigation. See, this is the only element of it where it gets interesting, where Papanoida and Ion decide, like, in a second they're going to meet with, with oh, yeah. Devo from uh, from Lightsaber Lost. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, not from no, Lightsaber no, no. Lost. From, from... It was the one Senate with... Murders. Senate Murders. Uh, you know what? I just need to send a quick shout-out to everybody who writes... The, the title, the, whoever's picking the titles, whether it's Dave Filoni or the writers, whoever picks the titles for episodes, thank you for the episodes that explain what is happening. Children of the Force makes sense, right? Right. Uh, Senate Murders, I'll always remember that one. Uh, hostage Crisis, you know, Trespass, like these, these episode description, Bombad Jedi, that like, I don't have to think, like, what was that episode? It's not like Smallville where it's, like, blue. <laughs> um, yeah. What happened in the episode blue? I don't really remember. I think there was something with blue kryptonite. But that's it, you yeah. know? And, like, yeah. it, 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 it's very helpful for us podcasters who are expected to have an encyclopedic knowledge of episode descriptions and all that stuff just because apparently, you know, we're supposed yeah. to have that. Um, so thank you for giving us that ability to look like we know what we're talking about. And you're not going to forget Sphere of Influence, are you? Um, oh, I'm totally going to forget Sphere of Influence <laughs> because, because oh, I, I think, think so. that, that's the indicator of some of the, the less good episodes. Okay. And then, I mean, sometimes you get into the, the, the trilogies and stuff like that, and we end up with a shorthand where we say, like, Ryloth Trilogy or Mandalorian Trilogy. Yeah. I don't remember the episode titles from inside those, but I remember the stories from each episode. Right. So it's like if somebody goes like, "What happened in that episode in the in the Mandalorian trilogy, the one where An- uh, where Anakin stabs the dude?" And it's like, I don't remember what the name of that episode was, but I can tell you that entire story. So yeah, it's not necessarily an indicator of how good the episode is, but in some instances it is. Like, uh, <laughs> like this one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally going to forget six months from now we're going to be talking about an episode that connects to this one and I'm going to be like what was that episode the one that I really didn't like and it had like George Lucas I'll, I won't forget it now okay you won't forget it <laughs> no okay um, uh, go ahead Papanoida and his son arrive at the apartment just as Lieutenant Devo and his police droids are leaving the police found no evidence of a kidnapping but the chairman instantly notices the misplaced statue that his daughters used to fight off their attackers. As he goes to place it back on its shrine, he notices a smear of green blood on the bottom of the statue. The chairman pulls a small device from his pocket and scans the blood sample to check it against known criminals. The scanner brings up a match for a Rodian named Greedo, who is based on Tatooine. Wait a minute, what's this? Blood. It must be what they used to fight off their attackers. But the kidnappers didn't know to put it back in the right place. 
Information retrieval. I need you to match this blood sample against known galactic criminals. A Rodian. Says here his name's Greedo. Looks like he's based on Tatooine. Then what are we waiting for? Okay, Mike. Here we go. Now, I personally don't have a problem with this being Greedo. I know there's a lot of talk going around like, oh, it's Greedo the Elder, blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Is it that out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Greedo, let's say he was in that cut scene in episode one where he was fighting with Anakin and we heard about yeah. that scene. Yeah. Um, you know, skip forward to now and it's, it could be Greedo. And then, you know, uh, 19 to 22 years later, we're at, we're at Star Wars. So I don't understand why people don't, can't understand that this could be Greedo. I mean, is, is there something I'm missing about that? Oh, people are just complaining because they think like in such a big galaxy, why, why would it be Greedo? Isn't he, shouldn't he be somewhere else or, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, no, he's a bounty hunter. Yeah. <laughs> And he, he hangs is wherever, out. Yeah, he is wherever he is. The fact that they said that he's based on Tatooine pays respect to the fact that he was in that deleted scene from <clears> episode <throat> one, and he ends up, like, he's in Jabba's employ. That's who he works for. Exactly. Yeah. And it's part of this storyline that he's freelancing outside of Jabba's, you know, outside of Jabba's payroll, and Jabba's not too happy about it. Like, I, I don't want to know what happened to him afterwards, but he probably won't stray again, you know. Um, and, uh, and there's sort of there's there's mention of it in a in a few places uh, and with some stuff that I've read that uh, that Greedo is actually um, sort of pretty low on the totem pole and that he's actually working for the Gotal bounty hunter that that it's not like he's not the the ringleader he's right. just he's just a pawn yeah. Yeah, he was just point. the one stupid enough to leave a blood sample behind. You know? Right, right. Um, yeah. And, you know, for, for Papanoida to use his tricorder, I mean, um, handheld device of some sort. Yeah. Uh, it, that was kind of convenient that he's just like, oh, it's Greedo. Yeah. That's like, a pretty oh. sophisticated stuff right there. Yeah. yeah, it's a good thing that, I don't know, that, that bothers me more than Greedo being in it, that... A bounty hunter who's apparently based on an outer rim planet that people go to specifically to stay out of the way yeah. is on the criminal database for the entire republic. Yeah, yeah right, right. You know, right. like that kind yeah. of bugs me a little bit. Hmm. But yeah, <clears throat> no, I didn't have I a problem. Know, with maybe it's maybe it's hooked into the HUD network or something like that. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure somebody could retcon it and write some yeah. piece of jargon that says. Well, you know, and it did. It makes sense to me because that um, would make Greedo around the same age as, as Anakin if if they yeah. age the same way. And he, even in this episode, it seemed like he was. They almost portrayed him as like a younger, like you said, a younger bounty hunter. He was one of the uh, goons, if you want to call him something like that. You know, yeah. not not like a main bounty hunter yet, but you know, sometime after this, he gets in favor with Jabba and he starts working for Jabba. So. I had no yeah. no problem with it being uh, being Greedo. So okay, but as as a uh, as a police officer, does it not uh, somewhat insult you that the cops weren't smart enough to find this? <laughs> I know and, it's and like well, I want to 
They yeah. walked in, they looked around and went, huh, doesn't seem like there's anything here. Yeah, no we'll forensic science there, huh? Yeah, yeah. want to go get some space donuts, guys? Hey, how about, a, how about an evidence tech to come in and check this place out, you know? Yeah. It's like Lieutenant Tan, Tan Debo's there, and he doesn't have the ability to, to not if he would have found something like that, would he have the ability to ring it up and go, hey, here you go, let's go catch this guy, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's, uh, that's the, from the files of police squad right there, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Ahsoka and Chuchi arrive on the Trade Federation ship, with Ahsoka disguised as Chuchi's servant. They are greeted by two Nibonian officers. Chuchi asks them if they would remove the blockade if Pantora were to join the Separatists, and the Nibonians consider the offer. They invite the senator and her servants to stay as their guests while they work out the terms of the arrangement. Chairman Papanoida and Ion arrive on Tatooine at the palace of Jabba the Hutt. Ion suggests they ask Jabba about the kidnapping, but his father says that it's too risky since Jabba may be involved. Instead, they start scanning the crowd for Greedo. The chairman asks a group of female Twi'leks if any of them know the bounty hunter, and one of them insists that Greedo isn't there. Ion is impatient, but his father believes that the woman will lead Greedo to them. And we heard, you know, Dave Filoni say in Celebration 5 that you were going to see some ties to the uh, original trilogy. And yes. holy mackerel, there's a ton of them going on right here. We got Greedo, we got Tatooine, we got Jabba. Uh, later on, we, we go to, I think we go to Mos Eisley, don't we? So, yeah, yeah, wow. we get an establishing shot of Mos Eisley. Yeah, which yeah. Uh, I, I was almost like shocked at. It kind of like threw me off and like, like knocked me back and I was like, whoa, that's most icely. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it was a really cool connection to have. And then to go to the cantina. Yeah. Here we, yeah, we, we get Jabba's palace here and uh, we actually get to hear Jabba speak. And that was, we talked about that briefly when we did the preview last episode about how, you know, Greedo's speaking basic, but here's Jabba uh, speaking Hatties and, yeah. uh, but here's the thing about Jabba speaking Hatties. He's not subtitled. No, he's got his... He's know, got his translator droid, and it's yeah. always very clear what he's communicating. Right. Right? Yeah. And I think that I think that the key to, to all of this is that it's not about, uh, about them speaking in another language. It's about whether or not it has to be subtitled. Yeah. And if Bosk was speaking in another language or... Greedo was speaking in another language, then it would need to be subtitled. And that's not friendly to kids' programming because then they'd have to read, and apparently they don't want to do that, so they won't watch the episodes. Um, I think it's a little silly, and I think that that we need to see some subtitling and some characters that are supposed to not be speaking basic not speak basic. Yeah, yeah. Do it, do it for the uh, the hardcore fans, man. We love it. Um, but yeah, tons of tons of references here to the OT. So it was kind of cool to see some of this uh, laid out in the Clone Wars. Uh, Ahsoka and Chuchi sneak through the Trade Federation ship in search of chairman's of the chairman's kidnapped daughters. They come to a conference room and hide under a large table in the center as the two Numonians uh, as the two Numonians they met earlier enter the chamber. When one of the officers, Sib Kane, reveals that he is working with the Separatists and has Chairman Papanoda's daughter on board the ship, 
Senator Chuchi lets out an audible gasp. Kane looks under the table, but there is no one there. Chuchi is now hiding in a niche in the hallway, in the wall, while Ahsoka clings to supports on the ceiling. When Sib Kane comes to Chuchi's second hiding spot, Ahsoka uses the force to lift the senator up in the air, and they remain unnoticed by the Nemonians. The second Trade Federation officer suggests that Kane is merely paranoid, and the two leave the room. Ahsoka lowers Chuchi to the ground and drops from the ceiling, and they head off towards the detention area. And what a cool scene. This is my favorite scene of the show right here. Um, one of my favorite scenes. Uh, we get to see Ahsoka using her powers, and we'll see her using force powers in, in just a few minutes here. But, uh, and I kind of saw this coming a little bit, but it was still cool to see. And I was listening to this on the on my surround sound, and you get the force sound where it's just rumbling. Yeah. And uh, really enjoyed what they did with that. And I was really, like I, like you said earlier, with this episode, not a ton of them going, not a lot of stuff going on, but a nice moment there. And I really enjoyed that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in Jabba's Palace, is that where we are? Yes. Yeah. In Jabba's Palace, the female Twi'lek uh, Papanoida spoke to earlier finds Greedo and informs him that Pantorans are in the palace looking for him. Rito and his friends head off to find the chairman and settle the matter. Ha! Told you all. <laughs> Greedo, baby, there you are. There's a man here looking for you. Pantorans. They must have found some evidence. We'll have to settle things more permanently. And like we said just a few minutes ago, you know, I believe that that Greedo is, like you said, he's kind of the underling. And, and here he is, you know, with his gang, kind of just hanging out and, you know, do what gangsters do, you know. They just kind of hang out and, and do nothing and play cards and roll dice and wait for their, <laughs> wait for their uh, boss to tell them to do something, you know. Yeah. And, and this is what it was here. And actually, we get to see uh, the Twi'lek. We get actually a kiss here to Greedo. It's kind of weird. But uh, but yeah, I know this is what uh, this is what they do. This is what gangsters do, you know, hanging out in Jabba's palace and eating and rolling dice. So um, on the Trade Federation ship, Ahsoka and Chuchi reach the de- uh, detention block, but an armed Nemodian guard stands in her way. Ahsoka successfully performs a Jedi mind trick on the guard, and he allows her to pass, but he still stands in the way of Senator Chuchi. Ahsoka goes back and uses her mind trick a second time, and after a moment's hesitation, the guard allows them both to pass. In the palace on Tatooine, Greedo and his thugs find Chairman Papanoida and Ion and hold them at gunpoint. The chairman slips a knife from his sleeve, breaks free of Greedo, and holds him hostage, demanding that they go to Jabba and resolve the situation. This is kind of crazy because we find out that Papanoida, man, he's got some skills. Yeah, he's got yeah, some he's, uh, fighting skills here, and uh, yeah, we, actually we'll get we'll get to more of his skills uh, in a few minutes here. Ahsoka and Chuchi make their way through the detention block of the Trade Federation ship in search of the chairman's daughters. Unbeknownst to them, Sib Kine and his battle droids track them through the security cameras. On Tatooine, Chairman Papanoida brings Greedo <laughs> uh, before Jabba the Hutt. 
He informs the crime lord of the kidnapping and presents his evidence that Greedo is behind it. Jabba allows him to take a blood sample from Greedo to confirm his suspicions, and Greedo admits to the crime. He says that the Separatists wanted the chairman's daughters as leverage against Pantora, and that one of them is being held in Mos Eisley. Papanoida demands that Greedo take him there immediately. So here's where we're starting to we're starting to get all the information now. It is the Separatists who are behind everything, yeah. and um, you know Greedo. Here's Greedo, <laughs> and just like just like any mobster in front of their boss, you know he caves because John was like, "Hey, go ahead, take the blood, you know, find out who it is." And uh, it, it was kind of kind of cool to see that Jawa is the man on this whole planet. Kind of what we found out earlier from Baron Papanoid is that uh, Tatooine is run by Jawa, and this is his 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 thing, and this is his his world, and we kind of just have to live by it. So, uh, on the Federation cruiser, Ahsoka and Chuchi find Chiikwe and free her from her holding cell. Meanwhile, Chairman Papanoida, Ion, and Greedo arrive at Mos Eisley. Greedo leads them into the cantina and orders one of his thugs to retrieve the prisoner. Greedo lies and that the separatists have ordered him to move the prisoner. But when the thug returns with Chi Amanawe and she identifies Papanoida as her father, a firefight breaks out between the Pantorans and the criminals in the bar. The chairman and his family kill nearly all of their attackers, but Greedo flees the scene. And, wow, what a... Uh, old-fashioned just you know western shootout in a bar you know mm-hmm. <laughs> i you know what i really feel like having shown this clip and i i realize why they did show the clip at, at celebration five and all that but and then it was the sneak preview clip for the episode um and i feel i kind of feel like like this scene was so overplayed yeah. that at this point it's kind of like when I saw it in the episode, I just didn't really care that much, and it really took away the impact of, of what he was doing and how, how the scene plays out. But uh, yeah. from an objective point of view, uh, it, it, this is really a pretty wicked scene, and he oh, a yeah. pretty, pretty yeah. tough customer, Baron Papanoida. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I wouldn't want to mess with him. Yeah, this whole family is just uh, quite the gunslingers. Yeah, and uh, it was nice little nice little nod. You know, they do this a lot. Is uh, the inside the cantina there, or the, the bar there? Uh, you see the uh, the uh, bartender kind of like he he kind of looks around. and He's like, uh oh, he, he just know what he's thinking. Here we go. Yeah. He grabs his bottle and ducks under the bar, just like you'd see in like a, in, in the old western movies. You know, yeah. so nice little callback to the to the westerns of old uh, and the kind of the whole bar shootout there. So that was kind of neat to see. Yeah. My only problem with the cantina is the problem that I have with Jabba's Palace. Um, and they just don't feel very real or authentic. Um, Filoni sort of mentioned on the on the episode commentary for this episode about how Jabba's Palace and the cantina and a lot of the Tatooine sets, they, they, they're actually pretty sparse. Yeah, and they're pretty right. bare, and um, in the movies, there's not really a lot in them. Um, so when you get to the Clone Wars, uh, they they seem a lot a lot more bare 
and that sort of thing. Um, and so that's his excuse for why the cantina did not look as interesting as it did in the movies and why the Jabba's palace doesn't look as interesting because it's stylized and whatever. Um, honestly, I really think that the only thing that you need to make that cantina and Jabba's palace seem more like they did in the movies and to be more authentic is mm-hmm. double the number of characters that are in the space. Yeah. And fill it with smoke. Cause honestly, that yeah. was the thing with, with the, uh, with the cantina and with Jabba's palace is that there was this real hazy atmosphere. So whether or not you could actually see the bad guys, you know, like all the dudes standing in the big crowd at Jabba's palace or not, it didn't really matter because you could only see like the first two of them clearly. And then everybody else was just a big sort of, well, in Han's words, a big light blur mm-hmm. or a big dark blur. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that kind of adds to the, the, just the, the ambience of, of the, uh, of the locations. And, uh, and, and I just kind of feel like, like we, we could have gotten a better cantina than we got. We could have gotten a better palace. Um, it was a bit of a step up from the palace in, in, uh, in the movie, but it well, still didn't have the same feeling. It didn't no. feel right. There wasn't anything going on behind Jabba. There wasn't anything really going on. Like, I don't know. You know what really would have sold it for me? is a quick cut as they were walking in to whoever the musicians were. And yeah, they yeah. just had like five or six musicians and maybe two species that we haven't seen before, then it would have been like, okay, that's Jabba's Palace. You know? And we the Max have... Rebo Band? No. Well, you know what? I wouldn't have put the Max Rebo Band in there just for the fact that, like, these guys have been playing this gig for 20 years, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I would... I would put a band in there and I would maybe put some dancers in there or something like that and just make it visually interesting. Um, I, I understand why they didn't because obviously they have their timelines and that sort of thing. But <clears throat> if they go back to Jabba's Palace again, I think they really need to step it up and they really need to make that seem like it's right, right out of the movie. You know, like yeah. right from the movie. That's, um, yeah. Yeah. And maybe he was trying to keep it consistent with what was in the in the film but if that's the case that's a bad excuse well it, uh, it doesn't really make sense though because for me the the cantina scene in star wars and Jabba's palace and return of the jedi it seemed a lot more populated i mean i remember yeah. the cantina scene at the bar you know there were they were elbow to elbow at the bar yeah uh Jabba's palace you got you know creatures laying around everywhere yeah and like you said the smoke thing too so um, I don't know if it's just they don't have the time or whatever to, to do all these characters. And, like... and and a simple line as he was, as uh, Greedo and, and Papanoida and them were coming in mm-hmm. of, hey, we're closed. Yeah. And then Greedo going, oh, it's me or something like that. that yeah, that could have made sense. Yeah. That yeah. would have made me go, oh, okay, that's why there's nobody in here. Yeah, right. And it would make more sense to me. But Okay, yeah. Interesting, but yeah, no, I, I felt the same way about uh, as far as the the population inside. I, I was kind of hoping for a little more, and like you said, maybe a little more going on, some music or something. That would have yeah. been kind of neat. So, 
Uh, as Ahsoka and Chuchi attempt to escape with Chi Ikwe, Sib Kane arrives to stop them with a group of super battle droids. Ahsoka defeats the droids and demands that Kane surrender. The other Nemordian officer arrives with his guards, and Senator Chuchi negotiates with him to remove the Trade Federation blockade from Pantora. In the Senate on Coruscant, Chairman Papanoida and his reunited family look on as Senator Lot Dodd announces the removal of the blockade and the reopened trade with Pantora. Gunray's influence extends farther than we ever imagined. It was Sib Kane, acting on his own accord, who kidnapped the children of Chairman Papanoida. In good faith, we have returned them to him. And also, as a gesture of friendship, we are removing our blockade and reopening trade with the Pantorans. And you know, Mike, what I thought was interesting was that, you know, here's Chuchi kind of turning the tide around on, on, I guess it was Kane saying, or no, the other guy, kind of using the, the whole kidnapping against him, saying, you know what, this is going to look bad for you guys. You know, even though that other pneumonia doesn't seem like he knew what was going on, uh, here's Chuchi going, well, you better end that blockade or I'm going to tell the Senate that you were involved in this kidnapping and, you know, I'll let the Senate deal with you. So what's your play going to be? That's basically what she's telling him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously he's painted into a corner there and, and he's going to have to let the blockade go. So uh, interesting way to end and Ahsoka kicking some butt there but uh i don't know you know just one of those you know probably episodes that i'll probably i don't know i doubt that i'll ever watch it again watch again yeah (laughs) i watched it three or four times just to get all the information and and uh so that was i watched it once (laughs) you watch it you know what's amazing is that you can get all that watching it one time i have to watch these like three or four times to get all (laughs) everything down and to to write some notes but uh I don't know. Yeah, like I'll you tell said. you what. Season one, I watched every episode. I think at least three times to do the recaps and stuff. Yeah. Um, now that I'm not writing the recaps, I watch most episodes once. Yeah. If it's a really good episode, I'll watch it more than once. If it's a big episode, like an important episode, like the season premiere or something, then I'll watch it more than once. Um, in the instance of this year's season premiere, it was so good and so huge yeah. that I watched both of them twice. Yeah. Uh, both of them three times, I should say. I rewatched them twice. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but that's fairly rare. I think one of the only other episodes that I've watched that many times would be Trespass. Yeah. Which I've watched. I've, I've, yeah. I've easily watched Trespass the most. Yeah. Um, I've watched it three or four times. And once I get, I, I get season two on DVD or Blu ray, I should say, um, I'll probably watch Children of the Force a few times. And, uh, and Bounty Hunters, I've watched multiple times uh, and will watch again in high def yeah. sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, most episodes, it's kind of like one viewing is, is good enough for me. Yeah. Unless it's got something that I really, really like. Yeah. Well, I normally watch, you know, once. I watch it the first time just to watch it just as a fan. Then I'll watch it again and kind of take some notes um, and pick out some, some things I want to, you know, comment on then i'll watch it a third time and and you know rip some audio and stuff like that and just make sure i got everything that's going on so usually i watch 
each episode three times, maybe four, depending on if it's really good. So, but as far as the highlights for this episode, uh, you know, Ahsoka, I enjoyed her again. Use of her force powers was cool. You get to see her use the force uh, a couple times. Some some mind suggestion there was cool. Uh, levitating, Chuchi was nice to see. Uh, the OT references, Java, Greedo, most nicely. Uh, we get to see some of that come into the Clone Wars. And then, the you know, they're continuing this dual story thing going on where, you know, they're cutting back and forth. And uh, it kind of makes it exciting. Even in an episode like this where there's not a lot going on, it it, it, did, it was okay. But uh, definitely not one of my favorites of this short season. But uh, with that, I guess uh, if you got nothing else, Mike, we will head on over to the main I have night. absolutely nothing else to say. <laughs> Okay. Resoundingly nothing. Resoundingly. You know what? It really wasn't that bad of an episode. Uh, It wasn't terrible. It just, it just felt very like, you know, we've got these characters and we want to put them in a storyline. What can we come up with? And that's the best they could do. Yeah. And, um, and this is season three. So we're kind of like really jazzed right now. We're like, yeah, that's kind of the thing is that I really feel like, like, like the season premiere just was this huge explosion of of just ridiculously great Clone Wars. It had the storyline, it had the action, it had everything in two episodes that we've been waiting for. And in that second episode, Narc Troopers, it was the epitome of a Star Wars experience. It, it, it just had everything going on that you wanted to have. And then... Last week's episode was all right. And then this week's episode is kind of okay as well. And next week's episode better have some Mandalorian, you know, some death watch in it. <laughs> or I'm really watch. not interested, you know? Like, if if it's going to be Padme and Satine running around on on Mandalore trying to, to find a, a murderer, then... I got to say, I'm really all, not all that interested, you know? I mean, like, we know how I feel about Padme episodes. I yeah. think Padme episodes are very quickly becoming the Kate episodes from Lost. For anybody uh, who watched Lost, yeah. anytime that you would find it, like, you'd be watching a new episode, and then you'd get, like, the flashback or the flash forward or flash sideways or flash, mm-hmm. you know, inside out. And, uh, and you would find out that it was a Kate-centric episode. People would be like, oh. <laughs> not another Kate uh, episode. Uh, and I think that I think we're starting to get the same thing with Padme where it's kind of like oh it's a Padme episode. So yeah. no lightsabers in this one I guess. Or well, yeah. like you know if if there is a lightsaber, she has it and for some reason Anakin doesn't and so he's going to have to make do without it. And it's kind of like I understand the whole thing of, like, we don't always have to have the hardcore action episodes and that sort of thing. But when I tune into Star Wars, one of the reasons why I'm watching is because I want to see some Star Wars stuff. If I want to see diplomatic missions and, 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 you know, trade disputes and blah, 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 I'll watch episode one or I'll turn on Star Trek The Next Generation. (laughs) <laughs> That's what I watch that show for. Uh, yeah. And yeah. it's not a bad thing. And I like Star Trek The Next Generation. And I enjoy watching that. But when I tune into Next Gen, I know what I'm getting. And when I tune into Clone Wars, 
I don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes yeah. we get these awesome episodes and then other times we get what we've been getting lately. And I feel like they're losing momentum really fast. And if this one coming up is is going to be another boring episode, the next episode after it better have the commandos in it or Oh yeah. Honestly, yeah. they're going to like it's it they're not going to lose us. We're going we're always going to watch. Yeah. But there are people who got convinced to watch season three. There are new uh, viewers, right. and I'm sure that we've got new listeners because of the, like, by virtue of the fact that people were so jazzed off of the season premieres. They, like, we, we've got these new viewers, and that's what they expect. You know, like, that's what they think they're going to get is episodes like, like, uh, like, uh, clone cadets and arc troopers right. and and then the stuff from episode one or from season one that they might be going back and watching and then season two when the dvd comes out you know they they're expecting a certain quality and then not that these aren't quality they just aren't they aren't what you're looking for you know i mean at these least aren't the last, episodes you're looking for <laughs> yeah at least last last week's episode had the ridiculously redeeming quality it has some that, great moments. Of yeah. that scene yeah. with with yeah. Master Die and uh, and yeah. his his clone commander, and and that death scene being one of the most powerful moments in the entire series so far. Yeah, this episode didn't have that. And like no, I said, no, no. maybe that's because they sort of took, you know, they kind of, they kind of took some of the bang out of it by showing that clip of Papanoida earlier and and have us having seen it months ago <clears throat> and some of us having seen it repeatedly um i mean i i guess you're when when you're in our position and you're uh, you're having to eat and sleep this stuff and really be immersed in it when they put out a clip like that you're just it's just gonna lose impact you know right, like sooner definitely. or later it's gonna lose impact. it's just like if if the episode with the republic commandos all that we see is that one scene and they are not in the rest of the episode. They don't do anything. I think that'll be a disappointment for a lot of us. Even though we're finally getting the commandos, the fact that we've already gotten them when they're in their episode, unless something else is going on in that episode, that's going to be incredibly awesome. You know, like it's, it's just going to be disappointing. And that's what I'm setting myself up for. I'm not, I'm thinking to myself, they're just going to be in that one scene and that's it. Yeah. Because uh, I don't want yeah, to kind of... Yeah, you're kind of, kind of hoping for that so that you're not yeah. let down. Let down, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. So, well, so I don't know. I just really feel like they need to pick it back up and, like, we need to get back into the swing of things. Yeah. And, well, wait till you get to the uh, upcoming, upcoming episode description. Uh, you might have to... Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's t- uh, check some mail, though. Excuse me, but might I interrupt you for a moment? Metropolis Comics is a new breed of comic store. We're cleaner, brighter, we're constantly adapting, providing you with all the toys and comics you're looking for. Transformers, Star Wars, Marvel, DC, Magic the Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Gundams, Final Toys, T-shirts and comics, movie toys, World of Warcraft, G.I. Joe and comics, comics, model supplies, statues, graphic novel, which is just another way of saying comics. We're right across the street from Metropound. Hold on, wait a minute. Did you say that you don't live here? Well, now you don't have to. Metropolis Comics and Toys is opening an online store. Did you just jump for joy? Stranger things have happened. For instance, some people badly want to shop with us online, but then they forget the 
website. Don't let this happen to you. www.metropolis-comics.com www.metropolis-comics.com The Secret Stash Online. Uh, everything's under control. Situation normal. What happened? Uh, it's like weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine here. Now, thank you. How are you? Okay, so we got a mailbag here from uh, some mail from Jason Hunt, who is actually a moderator on our forums. He goes by Boyd on the forums, and uh, he says, "Howdy." Hey, just line. here before we get into that, people yeah. might be wondering why it seems like all of the emails come from the moderators on the forum. We're not playing favorites. I just no, want that no. to be to be clear. Um, the reason why these guys are moderators is because of the fact that they're ridiculously involved with the community. So uh, that just means that they're sending an email every week almost. And that's why we're reading their emails because uh, they're sending emails with like really great content and, uh, and, and uh, they're on the forums posting amazing stuff and and getting good discussions going. So um, we're not going like, Hey, there's the, uh, there's the moderators sending us email. We should read their emails because they're the moderators and we're pals with them. It's because honestly, they're just the ones submitting content. So um, if, if you're upset that the moderators are the ones getting all the attention, uh, then speak up. <laughs> and you know, the thing send is us too, an email or two and you'll yeah. be, and, and you know, like it, that, that sort of thing leads to becoming a moderator. Like um, I would not have asked Kyle, to do the recaps if he hadn't been so involved with the forums and, uh, and and if he hadn't already offered to be involved with Star Wars Daily and stuff like that. So if you guys out there that are listeners want to be involved with something, um, it's just as easy as letting us know. And we're happy to, uh, to, to take on more people. But you have to first show us that, you know, we can trust you essentially, you know, that you're a, that you're a reliable person and that you deliver solid content and that sort of stuff. So like uh, Jason has, has been a huge help in the show and, uh, but still continues to be a, a listener and a fan of, of the Clone Wars and have front lines. So, uh, so, you know, we're not going to ignore him just cause he's a, a moderator or something. Yeah. So and, just and like throw that said, out there. No, well, no. And, and the fact is that he was involved with this show long before any of that was happening. He was yeah. he was sending emails for years now, uh, yeah. back when you first started. So you know, um, but that's a, that's a good point you make. So yeah, send in your send in your emails, whatever it is, MP3s. We don't care. Send it in. Um, he says, "Howdy, front lines. I just want to say that this week's episode, Supply Lines, was awesome. It's my favorite of the season so far, and probably in my top five at the moment. So and uh, so here's why. First of all, thank the maker that Ahmed Best is back as the voice of Jar Jar." Uh, it just makes the character that much better. And speaking of Jar Jar, Dave Filoni has finally found the perfect way to portray our bumbling Gungan friend even better than any of the live-action movies. After watching this episode, I went back and looked at Jar Jar and the Phantom Menace, and Jar Jar has definitely gotten smarter and more aware of what is going on. But he's still funny, and I like that. This episode has some of the best subtle humor that has ever been in any animated show or movie. My favorite humor moment was when Jar Jar is picking up the plates and dumping the food off the table and the guard moves over just a bit. But enough of Jar Jar and humor. Jedi Master Dai is one of the best thought-out characters this season has ever seen. 
He is what a Jedi is supposed to be, and in the end, willingly gives up his life to save the innocent. His battle scenes were amazing, and the visuals were beautiful, and his last stand is one of the most powerful moments the Clone Wars has produced. I was sad to see him go, and eagerly await the release of his action figure. Overall, the episode was very nicely done and had a lot of characters uh, had a lot of characters make an appearance. The fact that they have the time and resources to pull all those characters into the show in such a small scene is incredible. Also, the ed- editing between planets was great, pitting Jar Jar and Bale's political maneuvering against the raw chaos of the battle on Ryloth was perfect. Uh, one last comment. Deciding to make an episode that connects two of the best stories from season one was brilliant. And I plan to soon watch these episodes in order to see how it all turns out. May the force be with y'all from Jason Boyd Hunt. And, you know, we talked a lot about this, uh, this supply lines last episode. And, and he, he makes mention of a couple of scenes that we really enjoyed. Uh, like we said, having Ahmed best back as Jar Jar, great. I liked it. Worked for me. And Jedi Master Die, I have to agree. One yeah. of the most powerful moments uh, in the Clone Wars uh, with the death scene. And like he said, that's what the Jedi, that's what they were, that's why, that's why they go to the Jedi Order. That's what they're supposed to do, you know, uh, saving the innocent and helping it until they can't help anymore. So agree with all those comments, Jason. Good stuff, man. Yeah, that's some, some great commentary on that. On, on the best moments of that episode. Yeah. Some stuff I think we'll be referencing all the way through the season. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I, th- I think we'll be talking about Jedi Master Die for a while. So. Yeah, good stuff. How about the forum post of the week, uh, Mike? Yes, our forum post of the week is titled Chairman Papanoida, and it was posted by Darth Wally, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this might, this might be the first time that he's ever... Uh, yeah. Had a poster and email read on the, uh, on the new forum member, new forum member, yeah, new forum member. So, uh, anyone else not like this character? Okay, it was cool to see cameo, the cameo appearance of George Lucas in Revenge of the Sith, but the treatment and sphere of influence influence just seemed too much like Dave Filoni kissing up to the boss. There's a little smiley face emoticon in here. Uh, besides, I think he would have made a much much better villain. Um. You know what? <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. I really would have enjoyed this character a lot better as a villain. Interesting. Um, huh. Yeah. He's just got kind of a sinister look to him, you know what I mean? And and how much would that inform him standing outside of the uh of the Emperor's private box at the uh at the uh, yeah, episode three opera. Yeah. Yeah. Um in episode three, like that that would make it very interesting. But uh, there's still time. There's still time for him to take a turn. For turn, yeah. Uh, I, I think I think what we saw is that he wasn't so much good or bad, but he was just protecting his family. He was, yeah, exactly, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't think that we've really seen what he's capable of, and if he's anything like uh, oh, what was the guy's name from Trespass? Oh, that was uh, Chairman Chi- Cho. Chi Cho, yeah, I believe. Chi Cho, yeah. yeah. I, if he's anything like Cho, he might not be as altruistic as, as he seemed. Um, he was pretty quick to sort of dismiss uh, Lieutenant Tan, Evo, so, um, and to sort of say, you know, these guys got their hands up their butts, let's go. 
yeah, figure this out ourselves. ourselves. Yeah. And, uh, and, and <laughs> let's be honest, they did murder several people on Tatooine. So, um, <laughs> yeah, they, they, yeah, they put the bodies on the floor. That's for sure. Ahsoka may have gotten into some, some fights, but she could have sliced that guard in half, but instead she used a Jedi mind trick on him. And, uh, and, and then when the, the Nemoidian guards showed up, she didn't attack them. She, she put her lightsaber away and, yeah, and didn't bother. She only attacked the battle droids. So, um, that is what a good character does. <laughs> a good guy. Bad yeah. guys are a little bit more in the, you know, shoot them all at the force sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting. Uh, that's an interesting point you made because I didn't even think yeah. of that. I was at first I was like, yeah, I, I, I thought the characters were actually pretty cool. The voice was awesome. Uh, continuity wise, it kind of fit. But then what you're saying is like, uh, well, I guess. Now that you think about it, he kind of did things his own way. He didn't ask for your, he asked he got help from from Ahsoka, but that wasn't really him though. That was that was the uh, senator that did all that. He kind of he kind of worked on his own there. So you never know. I guess yeah. it, it, it could be uh, you, you might have something here, Darth Wally, that maybe down the line, you know, he might get this as maybe a villain or or something. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, he wasn't uh, he wasn't afraid to sacrifice Greedo. Essentially, like going to Java and saying, "Like, yeah. look, this guy, uh, yeah. this guy did this, and uh, do what you're going to do with him." But, uh, but I need to know where my kid is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. But like you said, he was he was doing all for his family. So sometimes yeah. that can make you act a little crazy as well. But uh, I don't know. True. We'll see. And and do we want to see Papanova in any more episodes? I don't know. I think I think that was just like. Uh, I don't think he was kissing up or anything like that. It was just like, hey, let's yeah. let's let's do an episode with Papanoida. He get Lucas in here and have a little yeah. fun with it, you know. Yeah. So that's I cool. I will agree with him that uh, that I don't think that that the story was written first and then they decided like let's use Baron Papanoida. He seems like a logical choice for this. I think that they went. We need to come up with a story for Baron Papanoida because we want to use him in season three. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the story we ended up. With. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so, I don't know. That's my opinion on it. Yeah. I might. I might be wrong. Cool. But uh, welcome to the welcome to the forums, Darth Wally, and uh, thanks for the post and keep those posts coming, Definitely. guys. Definitely. Good chatter on the forums. So, with that, let's get to the upcoming episode description, titled "Corruption." On a diplomatic mission to Mandalore, Senator Padme Amidala uncovers a sinister plot lurking beneath the pacifist planet Serene Facade. With the help of Duchess Satine, she investigates a mysterious illness spreading among Mandalore's children, discovering corruption that extends to the highest levels of the Mandalorian government. On an all-new episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Get that stuff unloaded, quickly. Mandalore is starving. I'm afraid our neutrality has caused our people to suffer. It involves trade routes, corruption. Let's just say it's complicated. Open these doors. Luckily, Senator Amidala's here to do the talking. We can't just sit here and do nothing. And the shooting. Star Wars The Clone Wars Season 3. Secrets Revealed. Seriously, uh, seriously, I hate to, I'm, I hate, I, I'm gonna call these three episodes the the trade route <laughs> dispute trilogy. trilogy. Like yeah. that's what they're gonna be called from now. It's the it's the trade trilogy. 
And it's like yeah, every yeah. one of these episodes has had something to do with blockading and trade routes. And, dude, if the announcer is like, it's got to do with trade routes and blockades <laughs> and stuff like that, oh, really, it's complicated shoot. and you don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, then why would you put these three episodes in a row? Come yeah. on, guy. That's what, that's what jumped out at me the most was... Uh, even even the announcer's like, uh, yeah, just like you said, you're like, oh, man. And I knew you were going to have this reaction earlier when you get, were talking about this. We need to get this. Dave on the show. I need to get on the email and talking to the people at Lucasfilm be like, we need to get Dave on the show to do an interview and ask him why all the trade route stuff. <laughs> Seriously. Come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, So, hey, here we go. We get Amadala and Satine teaming up maybe and doing some doing some fighting on their own so uh i don't know we'll see how it goes you know maybe we'll we'll hold out hope that there'll be some mandalore some death watch we'll see but uh that is what's coming up next week and uh and and you can head over to uh clonewarspodcast.com to see a clip there you go excellent i think that's gonna uh, do it for this week though mike what do you think that is it. All We're right. all done. That's I'm out of here. I've had enough. <laughs> I'm sick and tired of this. Oh, boy. We got <laughs> one more episode you, to go. Next week's episode, like the one after Corruption, had better be like just wall-to-wall action. Yeah. Like they don't even set it up. It's just like you, you show up on the battlefield and uh, and Obi-Wan is there and and he's just using his lightsaber on stuff. <laughs> the whole... For, for, for yeah. 22 minutes. The whole recap is just fighting, Jedi fighting, yeah. Jedi fighting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and all I have to do is show up and be like, yeah. that episode was awesome. Enough <laughs> episode Enough over. Said. Yeah. Enough said. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so thank you for listening if you made it this far. If you didn't get frustrated with my tirades and ranting. Although I, I, I think that might actually be why some people tune in. Um, Good times, yeah. I uh, do not forget to check us out online at www.clonewarspodcast.com and you can follow us on the Twitters. Our username is Clone Wars, so that's twitter.com slash Clone Wars. You can head over to Facebook and join our group or uh, page, I should say. It is facebook.com slash Clone Wars Podcast. And, uh, and you can always join us on the Star Wars Daily forums at forum.starwarsdaily.com where if you disagree with my opinions, get in there and let me know. And I'll tell you that you're wrong. And have a nice <laughs> argument and, uh, and Matt can come in Good with a nice neutral statement and be yeah. like, come on, guys, can't we all just get along? <laughs> I'll be like, go settle a trade dispute somewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's our episode for this week. That's it. And one more shout-out to, uh, to Kyle for doing the recaps. I know he was busy this week, and uh, he's got school going on, but he still managed to – Get a recap in for us. So thanks again, Kyle. Keep up the good work. Yes. And with that, uh, we will see you all next week. Next week. Well, another close to another wonderful show. Obi-Wan Kenobi here saying thank you for listening to Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast. Brought to you, of course, by StarWarsDaily.com. The force is strong with you all, and it will be with you always.